You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. This is Roof English. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company once again. We spend the next 30 minutes or thereabouts today in the company once again of Lydia Athanasipulu, music journalist and writer, joining us again from Siglifjörde in the north of Iceland. Lydia, great to talk to you once again. Uh, and a show today that features something that we've touched on a couple of times in previous episodes. This is Ton Verkemistoth, the Iceland Music Information Centre, which is dedicated to the, the the preservation and promotion as well, I guess, of modern Icelandic classical music, contemporary Icelandic classical music, some very modern composers represented here. You can buy sheet music from them if you wish. What have we learned about this information centre and uh, and what of the riches contained within are we going to hear from today? Uh, well, um, hi, nice to be with you again. Uh, always a pleasure to share this little journey about Icelandic music with everyone, all our listeners. Um, yeah, so we did we did mention the Icelandic Music Information Centre, or iMic. I, I think I'll just call it iMic from yes, now on. Yes, let's do that. Um, we did reference it in one of our previous uh, episodes when we were talking about experimental music, and that's kind of what sent us further down that rabbit hole. Um, and it was very interesting to discover what this centre does, um, so as you mentioned, it's the National Centre for Icelandic Contemporary and Classical Music. It's a non-profit society. It was founded in 1968. And uh, the mission was to make, and still is, to make Icelandic contemporary compositions uh, easily accessible to the Icelandic public, but also abroad. And their their mission, part of their mission is to advocate on behalf of Icelandic composers um, along with, uh, you know, in general, supporting the Icelandic contemporary and classical music scene. Uh, if you're a pop star, uh, you know, maybe you have other resources available from social media to to uh, music streaming platforms. But um, as most of us can imagine, that's probably a little different when you're a classical composer. Hmm. So this, um, this uh, music information centre uh started uh sort of so the discussions about the foundation of it started as far as i can see uh, back in the 1960s um and it was spearheaded by some of the country's greatest names even to this day and uh i guess after uh, discussions and negotiations about funding uh the imic was established officially on february 21st 1968 and since then has been the country's main hub let's say for information on contemporary Icelandic music. And uh, you did mention very correctly that they they um, offer sheet music. And I think that was one of their primary goals when it first started out was the preparation of sheet music for Icelandic contemporary works. Um, and a large part of the operation revolves around promoting the composers and compositions abroad and in Iceland with the aims of getting the works performed. Because uh, mm. one of the most important things about classical music and contemporary music is that they really are written to be performed. Uh, yes. All music is, but I doubt anyone would write a symphony simply for the simple pleasures of exploring what that might be like. Um, yes. <laughs> so, um, and and one thing I found interesting while while researching this in the rest of Europe, you know, symphonic orchestras have been around for a couple centuries at least, but in Iceland, it wasn't so much a nineteenth-century institution the way it was in mainland Europe. It was more of a post-war uh, institution. 
So um, Icelanders and Icelandic composers and the public and and, and musicians, they started uh, developing their their passion and their skills for uh, symphonic orchestra music um, after the Second World War. It wasn't in the you know late 1800s like like in other places in Europe. Mm. And so because also musical tuition uh, seems to be enshrined in Icelandic law uh, and is organized by a network of about 80 music schools across the country, including, of course, the famous Hamrachlid uh, Choir, uh, which countless of Reykjavik musicians have been uh, have gone through and they've been ex- encouraged to explore their musicianship, uh, including Björk. Um, so these 80 schools, along with, you know, teaching school, uh, teaching music in schools, I think helped this uh, blossoming, let's say, of uh, symphonic orchestra music. And so I think this is also kind of where the iMic came in in the 60s, mm. was to further establish a sort of center, uh, information, literally, as it says, an information center about all these things, and then help actually promote it mm. uh, you know, uh, overseas long before the internet, of course. What's really interesting, I think, as well, is even before we listen to a note of the music, just scanning down and seeing the sheer number of composers that are represented here. And these are all well, very, the vast majority are happily still alive and still composing. And again, it just shows, doesn't it, the sheer wealth of creativity that exists within Iceland in this field as in so many others. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And, and, um, I did read somewhere it says um, regarding uh, you know this now rich uh, um, plethora of of composers of classical and contemporary composers mm-hmm. um, and and uh, you know the people abroad have taken note of this whether we're talking about Anna Thorvaldsdóttir who mm-hmm. who has uh, her works have been performed all over the world or whether we're talking about um, you know the first woman to receive an Oscar for an original film score, uh, you know, the the world is taking note. And I read uh, in one article, it mentioned that Iceland is managing to, quote, let the cool, strong gale of the Icelandic weather rush into the world's music. Um, And that was uh, Jón Leifs uh, who who said that. And uh, he did, of course, very famously manage to harness the power of Icelandic folk songs in his own work, uh, and then, yes. you know, uh, and, and you a, could feel those gales way. rushing into Absolutely. so much of the music that he wrote, along with many other sort of elemental forces as well. Let's turn then to our first piece of music, and indeed, Eldur, referring, I think, to one of those ele- elemental forces in the form of fire. Yes. So, Jorun uh, Vidar, uh, she is one of the composers I selected. Like you mentioned, there are lots. Um, but what I noticed was that she was uh, one of the composers from very early on. So in 1937, she graduated from the Reykjavik Grammar School, and then she studied in Germany at the Music Academy in Berlin. And uh, she also studied composition at the Juilliard School of Music. Um, and then after she uh, moved back to Iceland, she worked as a pianist and accompanist. And she was actually awarded the Order of the Falcon, uh, the Knights Cross class, uh, the Ridara Cross for accomplishments in music. So I thought that was um, quite noteworthy given that, you know, probably back in the 1930s, there probably weren't too many female composers. Um, and also I, I have checked out her, her compositions and they are very beautiful. So we will listen to something referencing perhaps these weather uh, conditions that inspire so many Icelandic musicians. Yeah, this is Jorun uh, Fever with Elton. Thank you. 
we examine some of the work that is held and promoted and advocated by the Iceland Music Information Centre. With me again today, of course, is Lydia Athanasipulu in Siglifjörður. Where do we go next? So next we'll go to Atli Heimir Svensson, who I think, I believe we referenced him in our experimental uh, episode. Um, So uh, Atli Heimir studied piano at the Reykjavik College of Music. Later on, he went to study in Cologne, studying uh, composition, instrumentation and conducting. So the all around package when it comes to classical music. Uh, And he also did actually study under Stockhausen and then electronic music in the 1960s with uh, Gottfried Mikael Koenig from, from Holland, who is one of the famous composers from that country. Mm. And we're going to listen to uh, Meaning, uh, Memory, from uh, part of his work called Kunen.
Atli Hemer Svensson uh, from Kunin, and that is Minning. Let's turn to uh, an artist or a composer, I should say, from whom we're going to hear two pieces, I think. Yes. So I did want to include both of these um, for for the reason that, so we're talking about Thorkel uh, Sigurbjörnsson. Yes. And uh, the first piece I selected was from 1971. It's called Fipur. And it was actually performed at the Reykjavik Art Museum at Karvalstadir in 2011. Um, and it was part of a series of concerts uh, titled uh, Fringeberry, Musica Nova and Experimental Music in the 1960s. And Musica Nova was a project that Thorkett was involved in. And um, I wanted to include this piece because it is definitely among the most um, experimental. So it's tape music. And a lot of the composers that are featured in the IMIC, uh, you know, foundation, mm. um, they are classical composers. But not all of them are so radical uh, to do uh, you know, electroacoustic tape music. So that's the reason I wanted to listen to Fipur first, um, performed from 2011. And then the second track I wanted to hear was uh, La Yola Good Friday, part one and two. And that was also one of the very few releases of early electronic computer music by Icelandic composers. And I think it does a really good job of sort of capturing a, a certain uh, claustrophobia that existed before the digital age. So, so this was written before uh, we had access to easy computer software to write music. And um, so I thought that was worth including uh, so that we, they've also got uh, a few decades apart. So um, the, the record also that La Yola Good Friday is from is absolutely amazing. It's also got a beautiful uh, cover. Um, so I thought it would be worth listening to that as well. Let's hear both pieces.
We heard from Thorkel Sigurbjörnsson, uh, Fipur, firstly, from 1971, and also Good Friday won La Hoya, I think that is, because looking at the album, um, it was uh, a, a tape that was first produced in the uh, University of California at San Diego. And the only reason I know that is that I've been to a wedding in La Jolla, which is just south of San Diego. So I did wonder if that was a reference to uh, to that place name, and it does seem to be. Yeah, good, good spotting. <laughs> <laughs> and interesting, too, we talk about tape music and computer music very much in the past now, because all music is computer music in the sense that all recorded music pretty much is, is made using electronics and certainly recorded electronically. Tape music particularly is something that just doesn't happen anymore because it doesn't have to. I suppose there are some experimentalists, but by definition, they aren't breaking new ground when they use tape, are they? They're just no, doing, no. in many cases, what's been done before. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember you mentioned on a previous show that because you've been in radio so long, back in the day, if you had to edit something, you had to actually take out the tape, oh, yeah, put it yeah. behind your neck so you could slice it and then tape it back together. And and uh, like you said, a lot of young composers today, I think they're doing that mainly because there's a magic to working with analog equipment and, and analog music making. Um, but like you said, back in the day, they wouldn't have had any other alternative. And if you yes. see videos from... Uh, composers from that time, like, like Delia Darbyshire, who we've mentioned a couple times at the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, the equipment they have is a room full of things. Huge. And it must have taken ages to to work on this. But I think that was probably why it was also exciting, is that they actually could get there. They had a physical control over what they were doing. And so I think this is why it's still so enchanting to younger generations, including myself. When uh, we they, made something, physical. when we made a programme or a feature we were using our hands to make it. We would physically hold up the tape afterwards and say this is something that we made with our hands. I don't want to over-romanticise it, though, because there were certain practical considerations that also got in the way. For example, if you were editing tape, using your fingers, cutting it up, marking it with a Chinagraph pencil and, and slicing it with a razor blade, two things would happen. Firstly, you'd always get little sort of cuts, little kind of very slight razor cuts in your fingers, which were always irritating. And secondly, if you had eaten a packet of crisps or any sort of oily food at any time in the 24 hours previously, <laughs> you had to scrub <laughs> your fingers because any oil that got onto the tape would would basically just rub off all of the high frequencies. So you'd make an yeah. edit and suddenly you'd go like this. Um, so, you know, we can romanticize the the process a bit, but it it, it did have its um, its drawbacks. <laughs> it's fair to say. That's amazing. I love, I would love to hear more of your stories from that time one day. <laughs> my my war tales okay yeah <laughs> um let's move on to uh, a, a pair of artists here a pair of composers yes so um so next up um we have got Guðni Fransson and Anna Guðni Guðmundsdóttir um so when, one of the things that uh, I Mike has done is they also kind of operate like a, a a record label so they mm. release uh, various uh, works of art by these composers and so while going through their their discography their catalog on discogs um i this one kind of stood out to me because of the name so it's called what have they done to guthney's clarinet and to me this was a direct sort of it rang a bell in my head from what have they done to my song which is the the yes. popular song by american singer songwriter melanie safka who is actually one of my mother's favorites so i kind of grew up with this song and i thought oh that that's interesting and uh it is a collaboration album between these two artists they perform pieces composed by other members from the music center 
um and it's it's almost got a bit of a jazzier feel and uh and i thought that was you know it would it would be nice to include it to showcase the slight differences in in the various works that these uh, composers have produced
Flew from the album, what have they done to Guthney's clarinet? From Guthney Franson and Anna Guthney Guthman's dot here. Does that answer the question then of what they what they've done to the clarinet? Do you think? Um, I think if you listen to the album, you'll probably have some kind of answer okay. to that. <laughs> All right, let's turn to a piece of music called, I think, 337 Degrees, if I'm reading that symbol correctly. That is correct. 337 Degrees, exactly. It is uh, also a collaboration work by Tobias Gutmann and Ingolfur, Ingolfur Williamson. Uh, Tobias is on marimba and percussion, and Ingolfur is on bass clarinet. Uh, the album uh, includes six modern compositions by six different composers, five from Iceland and one from Finland. Uh, and I'm a huge marimba fan, so that's that's the reason I chose this, because I love the marimba and how it has been played from different cultures across different decades around the world. So this song, like you said, is called 337 Degrees by Tobias Gutmann and Ingolfur Williamson. Thank you. 
Tobias Goodman and Ingelford Williamson, 337 or 337 degrees. We're going to turn to someone now who really does deserve a bit of conversation, I think, because certainly of the composers that we're listening to today, she, I, I would suggest, is the most well-known outside of Iceland. It's Anna Dorvadsdottir, who is very much still writing and perhaps at the peak of her powers at the moment. And the praise for her works you well you don't struggle to find it do you no that's very true you can easily google her name and lots of articles will come up from you know different countries 
praising her work and she has definitely done a good job of showcasing contemporary Icelandic classical music abroad. And uh, her works have been nominated. They've been awarded multiple times. They've been played in numerous countries. And um, something I read that I found quite interesting and it, it kind of encapsulates it quite well. It says that her material is written as an ecosystem of sounds where materials continuously grow in and out of each other, often inspired in an important way by nature and its many qualities in particular structural ones like proportion and flow. And, uh, you know, again, I think this is potentially uh, informed by her natural surroundings here in Iceland. And uh, indeed, her works are very, very moving. And, uh, you know, I think they do a good job of being accessible to people who are interested in more um, contemporary classical, but also people Mm. who just enjoy listening to symphonic music. Do you think she's referencing then the ideas of Jon Leifs, who famously did write in a very clear way about the sounds made by the natural landscape in Iceland? I think so, yes. And there are a number of very interesting interviews with her online. So I do encourage listeners to check those out because she speaks, um, you know, very interestingly about her work. And even from the title of this song, Metacosmos, you know, I think that's just a small indicator that she's probably you know, taking a leaf from the Jon Leif book.
Anna Thorvardsdottir and Metacosmos, and as we say, somebody who is probably as well known as any Icelandic composer, I would suggest. We're going to hear another piece of music as we look at some of the works that are referenced and advocated by the Iceland Music Information Centre. Then we'll talk a little bit more about the centre itself to conclude the programme. But let's hear from uh, and hear about Veronique Vaca. Yes, yeah, so she is one of the more uh, recent, I would say, additions to the uh, centre, uh, also just because of her age. She was born in 1986. A lot of the the composers uh, included in the centre catalogue, um, you know, they might have been active in the 40s and 50s and sadly they've passed away. But I thought it would be uh, worth including someone more contemporary. So uh, Veronique Vaca um, is an Icelandic-based Canadian composer. So as we can tell, the centre does not include only Icelanders by uh, nationality. Mm. It also includes composers living and working in Iceland. And uh, she completed a master's degree in music composition from the Iceland University of Arts. And uh, I was reading about her work and it seems she she took a step towards more ab- a more abstract approach to her music when she started uh research on a project called From Landscape to Music Notation. And the intention of her work is to create a poetic context between what she sees, hears and feels in the unspoiled nature of Iceland and combine it into a musical composition. So this, I really like the idea behind it because um, anyone with a creative mind and anyone who loves music is often thinking, how can I translate something I see in Mm. the tactile world or the visual world into sound? And so her composition style uh, is quite organic and there's an emphasis on small details, uh, you know, rhythmic, textural and timbral elements. Um, and also there are vocal elements, which I really enjoyed. She's, you know, she's including beautiful vocals in mm. in her music. And uh, one artist who did spring to mind when I listened to her work was Juliana Barwick, who does a lot of work with layering vocals and and sort of uh, playing with the maybe the reverb or the echo or or something like this. So I think fans of artists like Juliana Barwick will really enjoy Veronique Vaca and we're going to listen to her track Gaitni which also has a beautiful video clip if you look for it on YouTube.
Geitney from Veronique Vaca as we look at some of the works held and advocated for by, as we say, the Iceland Music Information Centre, and maybe a bit more conversation about the centre itself. We've touched a little on what it does. It's part of the International Association of Music Centres, and it exists to promote and look after, essentially, give a home to contemporary Icelandic classical music. What else do we do? We need to say about the centre, would you say? Um, well, it seems the their activities are split into four very broad groups. Um, so cataloguing and archiving, uh, so keeping an archive of, of works that have been submitted to the centre. Uh, then selling and hiring uh, these works and also um, connecting artists with uh, performers, uh, sorry, connecting composers with performers because composers don't always perform their own music, especially mm. in classical music, uh, and also promoting and networking and then uh, consulting services. So the archive, um, it, it, the, so the Icelandic Music Information Centre holds an extensive archive of manuscripts and sheet music from Icelandic composers. It counts over 10,000 titles by more than 300 Icelandic composers. Um, one can safely say that no larger or more comprehensive collection exists uh, of Icelandic music in the world. Um, and the collection has steadily grown since the foundation of iMike in 1968. And uh, composers deliver and register their works with the centre. Um, and then uh, the centre has also received gifts from the estates of various composers, perhaps, perhaps posthumously. And uh, a work that's registered with iMike uh, adds to the collection of Icelandic sheet music that continues to grow. Um, and they can reg the, the composers can register their works themselves and keep all the rights uh, unless otherwise agreed upon. Mm -hmm. uh, and iMike catalog, the catalog uh, is being worked into a database, uh, which is either for sale or for archi archiving purposes. And that is accessible on shop.mic.is. So people can actually view the database of all these works that have been submitted. Um, so that's the archive. Then mm. we also have how the center uh, helps with sheet music. So the center helps with the preparation of performance materials, uh, and it's one of their main uh, operations. So under the logo of ITM, the Icelandic Music Information Center publishes sheet music and CDs. Um, and it also co-produces Icelandic contemporary music on CD in partnership with Smeklesa. Uh, with uh, Bad Taste Records. Um, and it is, of course, also the official publisher of Jón Leifs' work. So that's the sheet music uh, department, let's say. Mm. Um, the third activity they focus on is promoting Icelandic composers and works from within their catalogue. Um, and this is very important for getting the works performed because you can write something, you could submit it, it can come out on CD, it can go in the archive, but who's going to perform it? <laughs> so the goal there is to promote Icelandic contemporary works worldwide with an emphasis on their own catalogue to reach performers, conductors, radio programmers, artistic directors. Um, and contemporary and classical composers rarely perform their own music, like we mentioned earlier, which is why it's important to introduce these compositions to potential performers. And uh, so the main goal there is to advocate on behalf of the composers and introduce these compositions to uh, orchestral conductors, program directors of concert halls, orchestras, festivals, uh, and the like. Uh, and then finally, we have the consulting uh, section, 
which offers consultation to composers uh, and publishes information about various opportunities or upcoming projects. Also, it publishes various successes of the composers from the catalogue. Uh, and it also conducts career development programs for young and new composers under the name Irkia, uh, which translates to harvest in English. And another thing that they do, uh, which I, I'm not sure if it's still happening, I hope it is, mm -hmm. uh, but we did reference it on our previous episode as well, is an annual music festival called Dark Music Days. I think that um, is. I certainly remember it being talked about last year. So this is a festival that they organise to promote their artists. Um, but it also works with other festivals and organisations and projects, including, like you mentioned, the International Society of Contemporary Music, uh, which uh, annually hosts one of the largest festivals in the world, the ISCM World Music Days. They also work with Nordic Music Days, a festival held annually um, uh, with composers associations from Iceland, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, and Finland. They also work with Classical Next, which is a conference and exhibition aimed at the classical and contemporary music sector. Um, and the International Association of Music Information Centers, the IAMIC, which is an international association of contemporary music centers, as the name would suggest. They do a lot then, <laughs> I think we can they, say. They really do, thing. yes. Yeah. I, th I think it's a, a very well, it seems to be a really well thought out uh, yes. sort of project. Um, and of course, it is very much needed for, for composers these days, because like we mentioned earlier, mm. classical and contemporary composers operate in a slightly different musical ecosystem and market system than, than pop stars. Um, mm. So I think this is a very valuable uh, resource. And I think it's also a great way for people from abroad to discover Icelandic music. Well, um, dive in at mic.is. That is the, the top of their website, if you will, mic.is. And one thing I uh, do want to add, which it seems to be connected uh, to uh, this foundation, is Ismos, which is an Icelandic musical and cultural heritage database. And it stores and publishes data on the web concerning um, Icelandic culture, including music. And a lot of the artists uh, featured on the um, iMic uh, website are also can be found in on this website, uh, ismus.is. Uh, and one of the great things about this website, which I think is really worth checking out if you like music and if you're a music nerd, mm. is they have a fascinating network map of musicians and bands. So you can zoom in and out of a 3D map, a 3D uh, um, web mm, of mm, names mm. Uh, of composers and artists and see every other music project they've been connected to. Um, and it's just a really fascinating tool. So con connected with the iMic is also ismus.is. Uh, that's I-S-M-U-S dot I-S. Um, and uh, a lot of the artists uh, from iMac are included and it's just another great resource to discover so much music that is coming and out And there is so much to be discovered Lydia, thanks very much. Next time reggae and dub so we change direction quite dramatically the next time Lydia and I talk. Lydia Athanasopoulou joining me from Siglifjörður, I'm Darren Adam get in touch with us here at Ruv English anytime. We are English at ruv.is You're listening to the Ruv English podcast to hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.